Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week is part two of Brandy's journey. Last week, Brandy ended with writing down what she wants to attract in her future man. Someone told me, I don't even remember who it was or how it came up, but they told me to write on a piece of paper all of the things I wanted to attract in a man. Ooh. And to be very specific. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down, you know, the things I thought were important, like honesty, good sense of humor, anything I could think of. And I, and I realized I didn't even include like good looking because like, <laughs> like I was so over the good looking guys that were just abusive and yeah. tyrants. Yeah. So I meet a guy who happens to be mm-hmm. good looking, but it just wasn't a priority. And he was like the sweetest guy ever. I met him through mutual friends and we just clicked like so many things. So me and the previous boyfriend were supposed to get married and we were supposed to get married on 11, 11, 11 because the numbers 11 had been so impactful in my life. And so when I met this guy, he also was supposed to get married on that same day to his girlfriend who he had been split up with for like six months. And I was split up maybe like eight months. So it's kind of one of those things like, whoa, this is weird and probably meant to be. And Mm -hmm. something about him was just so safe. Like I knew he would never cheat. I knew he would never hit me. I knew that he was just like a good dude. And so eventually, you know, we start getting serious and we move in together and we he's doing metal work at the time. He's in the garage and he's making something and He's leaving behind these metal scraps and I'm bored. And I'm like, ever since I was little, I channeled a lot of my pain and anger into being creative. I would, you know, have my friends come over and do their makeup with like kitchen products, like flour (laughs) for face makeup. And I was constantly in trouble for putting fingernail polish on everything and bedazzling everything and glitter. (laughs) So like that was my jam. So I Uh saw this, I saw the things and my imagination started going and I put together this piece and hand painted like a tree on it. And we hung it in the living room and everyone that came over was like, why are you not selling this? This is so cool. And like all growing up, I wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. but you always got starving artist stories. Yeah. You know, like you can't make it as an Any artist. Money you don't make money. Yeah. Unless you're like Picasso or something. So I just did what everyone else did and, you know, went to work. Mm-hmm. So the more I heard it, the more I'm like, hmm, this is a lot of good feedback. Maybe we should. And so he's doing metal work and a guy that he goes, that he outsources some of his work to has a girlfriend who's kind of playing with metal art too. So he brings me down there and we, I'm introduced to them and they're talking to us about this course, this personal development course that changed their life. And I'm just like, Okay, you know, like (laughs) that's super corny (laughs) and they won't shut up about it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it goes on and on to where like we invite them over for Thanksgiving and they're just like talking about it the whole time. What's the name of the course? Personal Success Institute, also known as PSI or Psy Seminars. Uh And I mean, I thank them so much for being so annoying about it. <laughs> annoying. It was to the point where persistent. But no, they were annoying. annoying about it. So, I mean, we invited them over for Thanksgiving, and we're sitting here at Thanksgiving dinner talking about this. And I'm just like, okay, fine, let's go. So they'll shut up about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it comes to a point where they're like, look, we have one free ticket. All you have to do is buy the other ticket, and it's only five hundred bucks. Like, 
And I'm just like, all right, let's do it. And my boyfriend at the time is like, I don't know. And I'm like feeling excited about it because a lot of what they're saying is built around some books I had read, like Think and Grow Rich and The Secret. And this is when I was just scratching the surface on Mm -hmm. these types of things. And so I was more excited than he was. So we reluctantly go and it transformed us. I mean, three days of the most transformative experience I've ever had through. I mean, I had a child. I've dealt with death. I was not the same. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I I started like stepping more and more into my greatness. The more Mm. of these seminars I would attend. And the first one was 500. And then it was like, you can do it. 90 day goal setting program with them and you pay another 500. So I did that. And then there was a seven day seminar up in San Francisco area. It was like four grand. So we did that. I mean, we went into debt to do these things. And while I was at the seven day, I decided I'm starting my own business. Really? I'm just going to do it. Like I'm at this time, I'm waitressing at Slater's 5050 in Anaheim. I'm making really good money. The commute's killing me tired of being on my feet. I'm getting older. I need an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Actually, what happened is my job wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't let me go for seven days. Really? So I walked out because I was going to go. Yeah. And on my way home, I was calling my dad to tell him I just quit my job and I got pulled over and got a cell phone ticket. And so I'm like $4,000 in debt because I'm going to this seven day seminar. You just got a ticket. Just got a ticket. And you I just have, quit your I job. have like $300 in my bank account. And so the the 4000 to get to this place, someone had loaned me. Wow. Knowing someone part of that community loaned me knowing that it would be that transformative to me that they would get their, like, there was no doubt they'd get their money back. And they did. But I decided, like, I had no choice. I had to figure it out. So mm-hmm. I started an Etsy store. So I took the art that I made in the garage and I just started making little pieces and putting it on Etsy. And how did you feel when you made your first sale? I was very excited, but it wasn't enough. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, because you owe $4,000. Yeah, <laughs> I needed a lot more money than that. So the first like three months was very slow and it was very stressful for me and my boyfriend because he didn't want me to quit. He kept saying like, next okay. month, next month, next month. But I'm the type of person like I just do it. Like I'm a huge risk taker, always have been. And I just went for it. And, and during those three months, you didn't think about quitting and going back to like waitressing or no, bartending? No, because because I knew that he didn't really have that much faith in me and that he was stressed out. Like it put a fire under me to prove it. Yes. Like, see, I told you. What do you mean? I love that. Yes. So it was kind of good that that was his personality mm-hmm. because two of us being reckless probably wouldn't have been good. But it worked out. I mean, yeah. within, you know, within a couple of months, I was selling probably $3,000 worth of art. Wow. And then my first year, I sold over 100000 in art. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. And it went on for four years. And every year was six figures or more. Wow. Well, not more. I mean, 100000 or more. Yeah. I never got into the seven figures. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> so... At this time, I'm, you know, I did the seven day course. Now I'm going on to the nine day course, Uh the only women, which scares the shit out of me because I had this weird relationship with my mom and I was more of a guy's girl, I guess. So I'm walking up and I just hear like all this cackling. 
I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, here they are gossiping and talking. And so it was a huge opportunity for me to see how much I really needed more women in my life. And I left there absolutely not the same. However, me and my, I think we might've gotten, me and Eddie might've gotten married by this point, but he didn't do the nine day course. So we did everything else together, Mm -hmm. but he bowed out and didn't want to do the nine day course. So here I am, like, I just want to keep growing and I want to be better. And I'm like on him, like, go to it, go to it, go to it. And he's just like totally resisting me. And so it's irritating. And I'm like coming home more and more on fire with more confidence and bigger goals than ever. And like, he's still playing small. Mm -hmm. And so it's super frustrating. And And did he, the reason why he didn't want to move forward, was it because of the money and how much it costs to invest in yourself? Or he just didn't have as good of experience as you did? Maybe so. I don't really know. He he didn't really voice it too much. It was just always like, no, I'm just I don't not interested. Yeah. like I, I just He was happy don't. with his six figures. Yeah. He was content and I wasn't. And so I keep moving in the direction that I want to go. And he's, you know, we're doing well. We're doing good. There was like a three month period around Christmas in I think the end of 2017 where we were together bringing in like over 20,000 a month each. Wow. And so it was nice to mm-hmm. see us who had came from not a whole lot and able to create so much. So at this point, we are married. I know this for sure. And I'm starting to realize I need to tell my story mm-hmm. and I need to get out there and I need to, you know, start getting in front of the camera and stop being a little baby about stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Me and a girlfriend start a nonprofit called Women of Caliber, and we decide to round up as many women as we can to come to Eagle Glen Golf Course. And mm-hmm. we rent it out and we have bottomless champagne because we know how to get the girls there. And I do my my first public speaking debut. Wow, and that's I awesome. was so scared. Like I was, I mean, public speaking yeah. was not my jam. I avoided it at all costs. <laughs> and so I do it. And I get a lot of good feedback. I have girls coming in, you know, coming up to me after and just telling me like how much it meant to them and how this happened to them. And now they're sharing their story and they're feeling like they're able to be vulnerable. And that like made my heart so happy. Yes. And I'm getting emails and Facebook messages and texts and it just keeps happening. And so my husband's best friend was at that event Mm -hmm. and my husband and her husband decided to golf while we were doing this event because yeah. it was at a golf course. And so we're, we stay, me, my friend, Monica, Kathleen, and myself are the ones that started the nonprofit. We stay, we clean up and, you know, we kind of just have a briefing over how it went. And then by the time I see my husband, he's just so excited and so proud of me because his friend's wife goes back and it's like, oh my God, she killed it. She had everyone in the audience laughing and then crying. And he's like, she was pumping me up, you know? So long story short, that night he got me pregnant. Wow. (laughs) So I didn't know that, but I mean, we, we, you know, we both had some cocktails and we were excited and things went a little too far. So we didn't think that he was able to have babies because he Mm -hmm. never had any scares and I never took birth control and it never happened. So we were just like, whatever, I guess we can't have kids. So I always wanted to have a daughter and name it a like, a boy name, I guess. Yeah. 
So we bought a dog and we named her Charlie. And then months later, I find out I'm pregnant and it's a girl. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we gave our daughter's name to the dog. What are we going (laughs) to (laughs) do? So we end up naming her Frankie. Oh, and but doesn't that feel good? Like after everything that you've been through and then you get to the point where you create something like women of caliber and you're helping so many other women and then you're making 20,000, 40,000 between the two of you a month and your business is booming and you're on top of the world. Like, how did that feel from knowing your background and everything that you've been through? Yeah, I don't know. You kind of just lose, you you stop looking backwards and you like forget about it and you just go. But Mm -hmm. there were times, I mean, more times than not, there was times when I was doing like high level coaching Mm -hmm. or, you know, accountability groups or, you know, starting to get up and speaking more in front of people. But there was always something inside of me that was like, who are you to do this? You're just some white trash girl that grew up from drug addict parents. You wow. teen mom. You you know you're you're not you're not meant to do this. I felt like a fraud a yeah. lot of the time. I felt like the negative self talk mm-hmm. starts to come in. It was big, and of course, you know, I struggled with feeling important and worthy mm-hmm. for my whole life, and so it was common for me to sabotage things that were going good, yeah, unconsciously mm-hmm. because I was so used to them. You're used to the chaos. Mm -hmm. So when there is no chaos, you try to create it. I created it. And what happened next was, you know, I find out I'm pregnant. I'm not happy Mm -hmm. because my career is finally going somewhere. And I was 17 when I had Andrew. He's halfway out of the house. No, he's like 14, 15. Yeah. And I'm thinking three more years, I'm going to be able to travel. I'm (laughs) going to be able to have all this time to myself. And now you have to start all over. And now I have to start all over. And not only that, but now I'm in my 30s like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it's gonna be so hard to lose the weight (laughs) like you know all those things come up so I wasn't exactly ecstatic about being pregnant but I accepted it and I knew that it was happening for a reason and I had the most horrible pregnancy from day one I was super nauseous headaches dizzy I mean I just would sleep in the room with the, the blinds drawn and just Lay there, moaning, like dying. On bed rest. Yeah. And so I stopped, you know, doing the metal work. At that point, I had been working on automating my business as much as possible so that I could start working on other other projects. So I had an employee, I had a couple employees, and I had, you know, a lot of things were being outsourced. And he basically was just able to hold down like the daily events. Mm -hmm. And I was sick and I started feeling better about four months into my pregnancy. And I remember waking up one night in the middle of the night and I just kept hearing like this name in my head over and over. And I had always been pretty intuitive, Mm -hmm. but something about being pregnant, it was like a whole new level of like just being connected. Yeah. So I heard this name over and over in my head and I'm like, why am I hearing this name? It was someone I knew. Mm -hmm. It was my husband's sister's best friend, someone I had been at birthday parties with, I had ran mud runs with, I had put her through the personal development stuff. Really? And, you know, talked with her here and there on social media. We weren't close by any means, but I seen her often and I kept hearing her name in my head and I'm like, why am I? Yeah. So I wake him up like a crazy psycho (laughs) and I'm like, what's up with you and this person? And he's like, what, what? Have a sleep. He's like, oh, I hooked up with her when I was like 17. What do you mean? Like, why are you asking? 
And so at this point, I'm furious that mm-hmm. I don't know this. Yeah. How do you have me in the same room with this person that you've had affairs with, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially because we've had the talk. Yeah. Like if we're ever in the room and there's someone there, I'd like to know. I'm that type of person. Mm-hmm. It's just them. Some people don't want to know. Some people do. I want to know. Yeah. He didn't tell me. So I'm just still feeling like something is not right. So I get his phone and I just go straight to the search and I just type in her name. And Was no, he asleep? Did he go back to sleep? Yeah, he went back to sleep. And I'm like, I'm not resting until I get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so I type in her name in the search bar and nothing comes up. And she's not even saved in his phone, the phone number, which is like really peculiar to me. Okay. And I'm like, hmm. I would have stopped there. I would have been like, oh, he's cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> back to bed. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't because he's known her for so long. He, he's got to have her number saved. You oh, know? Okay. So yeah, I that knew, makes sense. Yeah. He had his, her sister's number mm-hmm. in his phone. All that is in his phone is an email from her. And mm-hmm. I open the email and it's a picture of her in her underwear. Really? And it's Recently? like a fitness photo. Yeah. Okay. It was very recent. And here I am, four months pregnant, stressing over the fact I'm getting fat. Yeah. And I'm miserable. And he has some like fitness chick sending him pictures mm. in her underwear. And I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. So I immediately call his sister and mm-hmm. I'm like, get your friend. Mm-hmm. Because I'm about to call her husband. Yes. And I'm going to divorce your brother. <gasps> like, it was that big of a deal to me, that disrespectful, mm-hmm. that, like, I wanted to leave. I wanted him to pack up his stuff, and I wanted him to go. I knew he wasn't telling me something. It wasn't yeah. really, like, what was before me. It was more of the feeling yeah. that I had that there was more, and there was something to it, and it wasn't right. And it wasn't like a a mass email where he was just one of the recipients. It was directly to, to him. him. And so I messaged her on Facebook and her story is that she meant to send it to her friend and somehow had their emails mixed up. And I'm yeah, like, right. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm like very much the type of person, like I, I can accept things, I can move on, but I need to know. Mm-hmm. I need to know so that I can just have closure. Yes. So he's, he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to tell me the truth. And I know I can just tell by the way he's shutting down. Mm, that there's something, something happening. More. So one day her and I are friends on Facebook and one day she posts her number publicly because she does real estate. So oh. someone's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, yeah, here's my number. Call me. So I'm like, oh, that's her number. I'm like, give me your phone. So I just search the number and nothing comes up. And I hand him back his phone and I say, I'm really sorry that I'm being so crazy about this. Yeah. I don't know what it is. My hormones. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it's okay. You know, it's cool. And I'm like, no, there's more. I know it. There's mm-hmm. more. So I go through the call logs. And it turns out they were talking every day. Really? For a year that we were, our whole our whole first year of marriage. So what happened is she called him the day after we got married because we kind of eloped. Uh-huh. And it was probably like, a, what the heck? congratulations slash whatever. And then they didn't stop talking. They talked every day for like hours. And when did he have the time? He's at work doing this. And then he's coming home and sitting in front of the TV and no time for me. Wow. And so he developed this affair with her and she gets married and she has kids and I'm married. And it's like the sick secret that they have. Oh my gosh. So obviously I'm four months pregnant. What do I do? Do I want to be a single mom again? No. So I'm But you like, definitely don't want to be with somebody who's having this emotional affair with someone else. And I don't even know that it stopped at that. That was just 
the evidence that I yeah. had gotten. So who knows if they were meeting? I mean, signs point to yes. But it doesn't matter because I'd honestly rather him had just slept with someone that was meaningless than have an emotional connection with someone that yeah. like tore I think me that's harder up. to get over. And here I am thinking that this guy is safe. He's never going to cheat on me. He's never going to hurt me. And so I'm like, my guard's down. And that is like so painful because the other ones that did things to me, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. And so with him, I just felt duped and I felt so depressed. Mm -hmm. And I wished I hadn't told anyone that I was pregnant because I often thought about terminating the pregnancy. How can I, like, I don't. I don't want to be a single mom again. Yeah. But you were four months pregnant. Four months time. pregnant. had already told everyone. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, these are the thoughts that are going in my head. Like, how can I not be pregnant anymore? And so my whole pregnancy is just miserable. Oh. Like I find out this very early into my pregnancy and I am so resentful of him. And he... But you're staying so far. I'm staying. And my son's there and my son, I put my son in private school, up the street. And it's like, I got to wait till he graduates high school. Mm-hmm. So he's in a senior year and I'm just sitting there dealing with it. And I'm trying so hard to yeah. get the sparks back. We start doing counseling. But during this time, he hasn't admitted being sexual with her, just mm-hmm. emotionally tied to her. Mm-hmm. And and really downplaying it like no big deal. You're... Like they're just friends. Yeah. That talk for hours on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> But then he started opening up about like things they were talking about that were very inappropriate. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's not okay. And she was married. She was married. And he's married. Like, what the heck? Yeah. And it's just so twisted. It's so crazy. Yeah. He comes from a family where his mom left his dad for his buddy. Wow. So like, I came from that. He came from that. And now he's bringing this chaotic. Same thing. Situation into our life. Mm-hmm. With a baby on the way. So yeah, I was pissed. Unfortunately, I needed him financially. I was so sick. I was like debilitated. I couldn't. Yeah, you weren't being able to sell your metal art. And- no, we, we still had that going. It was fully automated, but he was like running it. So I needed mm. him. Like yeah. he was there seeing things out every day. I was super sick. And so I was just like, I'm just going to get through this pregnancy. I'm going to do my best to just keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. My heart's broken, but it is Aww. what it is. And at this time, my dad is like way off the deep end with his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And he's gotten two back-to-back DUI hit and runs. Oh, no. Like two weeks apart. I mean, it's just going downhill really fast. So we decide to have an intervention and it was at my house. And at the time, I had like a pool set up in my living room because I was very close to delivering and I wanted to do... A water birth? Well, half. I had a doula Uh and we were going to do most of the birth in the water. And then as soon as it was time to go to the hospital to actually deliver, we were going to go. It's only a couple miles away. Okay. So I had that all set up and I'm like two weeks late for my due date. Mm -hmm. And here we are. I'm like nine months pregnant and we're doing an intervention in my living room with my dad and my whole family there. So he detoxes that night on my couch. And I don't know if it was like the stress, the emotional situations, but I went into labor that night. Mm -hmm. So I like wake up my dad like two in the morning. I'm like, dude, you got to go. I'm about to get naked and deliver this baby in the living room. You can't be here. (laughs) So my sister comes and picks him up and we have a happy, healthy baby girl. Everything goes fine. Do you think at this point you want to work things out or? For her sake, because it's like the right thing to do. 
Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want her to be born into a fatherless life. Yeah. And and then I knew he's not that type of guy. He'll always be there as a father. But just I, I, I swore that when I got married, it was forever. And I wanted all I wanted was a family. I never had one. Yeah. Growing up, I never had one, you know, with my son's father. We never we were so young. We never had one. But you only have control over your actions and you can only be responsible for what you did and how you're feeling. So even if you swore you're going to stay in this marriage, I mean, you could have never predicted what his actions would have been. Yeah. Because even though you thought he was like the safe human being, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't I don't think he was thinking. (laughs) I don't think he was thinking. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think he tried to hurt me. I think he thought he was going to get away with it. Oh. And for me, it was like bigger than that. It was like, who cares? Who cares? I look stupid. I feel stupid. The love will never be the same. The respect I have for him will never be the same. The resentment is real. But there's still an opportunity to give her a normal life. Yeah. So yeah, I stuck it out. But if you think about it, you're saying you're going to give her a normal life. But would a normal life be two parents that hold resentment, bitterness, anger towards each other? Or would a normal life be watching your parents love on another, love on one another? That's where I get, I really believe that if you're not with somebody that you're in love with and you're showing lots of love to, your children will feed off of that. You know, because I grew up in that kind of environment where my mom and my dad had no love. And every time my dad tried to reach and talk, you know, touch my mom, she would cringe and be like, get off me, you Mm -hmm. know? And it was just, it was that non- It would just showed me like, is that what love is supposed to be like? Like to treat each other like crap, you know? Definitely. And it came to that later. Mm. It came to that point where we had to ask ourselves that. But it's like, it was a lose-lose situation. It was no matter what, it it was not what I wanted. We kind of distanced ourselves a little bit. You know, he's, he's sleeping on the couch. I'm sleeping in the room and we're just not getting along I'm trying my best, but I'm, I just, when I look at him, I just want to like punch him, you know? Mm, I want to punch him. I know. <laughs> and then, and then to make it worse with the resentment I already had for him, he told me that if I gave him a baby, cause he had no kids that, cause I had my boobs done when mm. I was, you know, after Andrew, because of, I was dancing and you know, yeah. you know what kids do. <laughs> so I got him filled back up and he promised that, you know, whatever happened to my body fixed. Mm-hmm. So what happened was I was breastfeeding her. And I got really, really engorged. And mm-hmm. one of my breast implants deflated. <gasps> no way. While I was breastfeeding. And so I had to stop because it felt different to her and she wouldn't latch on. And so here I am walking around with one breast implant and one like saggy boob. <laughs> and I am just like so irritated with him because it's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm telling him like, what am I going to do about this? Like, Like, yeah, no, I was, I was so upset. So I'm like walking around for months with like one big boob, one little boob. Months? Months. And I'm like, I got, can I just at least get these removed? Like Mm -hmm. something. And so he's just like acting very nonchalant about it. And I didn't really have like control over the money as much. And we weren't making as much because I was kind of outside the picture. I did all the marketing. I did a lot of the stuff that brought in income. Yeah. And he was stressed out. I was stressed out. And our income really started to To reflect that. Yeah. So I just got a needle from CVS and I popped it myself. (gasps) I was that desperate. No Mm -hmm. way did you just say that. Yeah. 
And when I told my my friend that, she was like so mad at him and so sad that I felt that desperate that I had to do that. And I was like embarrassed, but I'm like, what do I do? Did it work? Yeah. You put a needle in your boob. And, and then like within it. a day or two, it was deflated. <gasps> that is nuts. I've never heard of anyone well, I numbed doing it. At that. first, I watched, I mean, thank God for YouTube videos now. Like, you <laughs> I can, didn't know there was you a can YouTube fi- video for yeah, that. <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> it's a thing. You seriously so, just deflated your boob? Yeah, I put some like numbing cream on it and I just hold my breath and I did it. <gasps> and then I, I went like another year uh-huh. with nothing. Uh-huh. And I was just like, and at this time I'm like, I'm knowing I'm going to be single again. Yeah. I'm just embarrassed with how my body looks. Mm-hmm. I put on weight. I just start hitting the gym really hard and I get back to my pre-baby weight even better than mm-hmm. before. And I'm taking out so much of my pain and aggression in the gym. Yeah. And it's Valentine's Day, 2018. And I wake up to nothing, no notes, no cards, no flowers, not even a kiss, not even happy Valentine's Day. And for me, that was just like it. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Like, I feel so unimportant, so undervalued. And we kind of got into it a little bit about it. And we decided to sit down and watch this. It's like a Super Soul Sunday Oprah. Oh, I love Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> and I don't remember the girl's name, but it's called like Through the Pain There Will Be Rising or something like that. The Love Warrior. She wrote The Love Warrior. Oh, yeah. I, I know can't think is. of her name. So she has this video. Glennon Doyle. That's it. And we watch it together. And at mm-hmm. the end, she's she's talking about how as parents, we, we do our best to shelter our children from pain. Yeah. And... Really, that's the thing that makes people who they are and mm-hmm. like le- teaches them how to be resilient and self-sufficient and, you know, all the things that we say we want in life. And so it's like, let your kids experience these things. They're real life. You can't hold them from them. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, she put it into way better words and, you know, it built up to that. But we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, we're doing this for her. But like you said, is uh-huh. this really what I want her to see? No. And that's the thing, like, even if you guys are being cordial, the energy in the room is felt. And as a child, I feel like even if you guys aren't yelling at each other and you guys are being cordial, you could feel the energy and the tension between the two of you. And so then therefore she will believe that that's what love is, this awkward tension where you guys aren't really loving each other. Yeah, there was a huge disconnect between us. We weren't even sleeping in the same room. And if you would have stayed in that relationship, she would have believed it's okay for my husband to sleep on the couch. It's okay for us to talk to each other this way. It's okay for me to look at him and, and, you know, I'm sure you weren't looking at him with loving eyes. I'm sure you were looking Mm -hmm. at him with like, I want to punch you in the Mm -hmm. nuts, you know? And so she picks up on all of those things, even though she's probably only two, three, four or five. Yeah. She would have picked up on that. So I'm so thankful that you watched that. And that you guys came to the conclusion that this isn't actually helpful for her. Yeah, she was about, I think she was like one and a half at the time. Mm. I remember telling him, I don't want to separate until she takes her first steps because I don't want to miss it. Like, I don't want it to be a weekend that she's with you. I just, it was important to me. And so it was kind of one of those things like she took him and we were kind of just like, okay, do we do it now? And then like a couple months went by, we watched this thing, the Valentine's Day situation And I ended up taking off for two days and going and staying with my best friend, Monica, Mm -hmm. and totally 
invaded their Valentine's Day, <laughs> her and her boyfriend. Yeah. But they, they knew what was going on and they were, you know, super supportive. So I kind of just went on a little hiatus and we figured out what we were going to do. Like, how is this going to work? Who's going to, what were we going to do with the business? Who's going to stay where? How are we going to tell our family? You know, and so we needed a few months to figure that out. So we both knew it was over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like second guessing, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to mess her up? I go on a, a girl's business trip. I'm like, I need out of here. So my girlfriend at the time is working for this lady, Stephanie Nikolic, who was pretty big on like online marketing. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, perfect. An excuse to go. My friend got me a free ticket. All I had to do was get a flight. So I tell him I'm going to Florida for the weekend. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. I go to this event. It's great. It's impactful. I still feel extremely sad for what I'm going through. And on the airplane ride home, I like heard something in my head like pop and I didn't really know what, what? it was or think anything of it. I just thought, you know, your ears pop when you go to high elevation. So I'm home and I'm in our home gym and I'm stretching, like doing some downward dog and I get back up and like water just pours out of my nose. And I'm like, what's happening? So I tell him and he just doesn't seem very concerned. And I'm thinking, (sighs) okay, maybe it's like I do like a nasal flush every once in a while. Maybe some got stuck up there. I don't know. Yeah. At this point, did you connect it back to the pop Mm -mm. in the plane? Mm -mm. No. No. So I'm noticing it's happening more and more. Every time I bend over and I get back up, there's this fluid coming out of my nose. And it's not, it's not. It's not. No. It's like water. Wow. So I'm getting scared and I'm like starting to diagnose myself on the internet. (laughs) As we all do. Yeah. And I am like deathly afraid that I have a a tear in the lining of my brain Mm. that's causing my brain fluid to come out of my nose. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like determined that that's what this is. And it brings me back to, you know, when I was like 11 years old, my grandfather went fishing up in the mountains and his chair fell backwards and he hit his head really hard. Mm. And a couple weeks later, he woke up cross-eyed with a migraine and he (gasps) never came home. And he died from meningitis, which is an infection of the brain lining. And it's due to having some type of vulnerability to your brain where bacteria gets in there and it can kill you. So I'm like freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm going to die. Yeah. Like my grandpa did. And so I'm not leaving my house. I'm Mm. like, you know, luckily at the time have a great group of girlfriends who were doing accountability group. So they're like walking me through my divorce. They're walking through this whole process Mm -hmm. of what I'm going through. They're just loving me through it. And one of them comes over and brings me like plastic gloves and face masks. And it's like, you got to get out there like here, like cover yourself, be careful, you know, whatever. But like, She's trying to love me through it. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness, because every time I would talk to my husband about it, he would just totally disregard it, pretend like it was no big deal. And I was scared. Like, I was genuinely scared. And I just needed some support. Yeah. And you didn't think about going to the doctors? No, I did. I just, I, you know, the first time I diagnosed myself <laughs> on WebMD, I go and I'm like, I have brain fluid leaking out of my nose. And uh-huh. he's like laughing at me. Oh, my gosh. The and, doctor? Yeah. He's like, you'd have to get kicked with enough force from a horse 
mm-hmm. for that to happen. It happens to like one in like a million people or whatever, you know, and I go, okay, well, it happened to me. Yeah. Like, I can assure you everything that that internet says <laughs> is true. And so he's laughing because, of course, how many people go in Absolutely. and try to self-diagnose themselves mm-hmm. and it, they're so far off. So he's like mocking me. Mm. And then like goes to reach for the light switch without gloves on before he does my like, (gasps) you know, like to look at my nose. And I start flipping out and I'm like, you need to put gloves on. Like, I don't want to die from meningitis. Yeah. Like you just touched that dirty light switch and now you're trying to touch me. And he was just like, he's thinking you're "You're crazy. (laughs) You're so crazy. Yeah. And then so he walks away to go get gloves. And the nurse is like, girl, right on for doing that because he should have gloves on when he's like you know before he touches stuff or like what it sanitizes hands so he's mocking me and then of course it's like when you take your car in to get checked and stop messing up no fluid will come out for them to test oh gosh so i'm in and out of the hospital for testing they're doing mris they're doing you know like trying to get this fluid to come out and nothing's showing up in the mri And I cannot get the fluid to come out when I'm there. So they send me home with like a vial Mm -hmm. and they're like, try to collect it yourself. So it took about probably three months of dealing with this before they did indeed diagnose me with a cerebral spinal fluid leak. (gasps) No way. And they put me on bed rest for 30 days. Unbelievable. And I was super scared. And they said, since the tear is so small that it won't show up in the MRI, it's very likely it'll heal on its own. <gasps> you just like you can't elevate your blood pressure because that's what gets your brain going. So did they tell you that it happened in the airplane? Yeah, the altitude of the airplane somehow. Wow. So did they say you're not allowed to be on another airplane? I had to wait six months. But in the process, I met a gentleman from Australia who was he was an international flight nurse because mm-hmm. they have to have him on board because it's such a long flight that they anything could happen. They can't land the plane. So I'm telling him about it. And he's like, oh yeah, I see that all the time. Like I walked up one time to a man who was just laying there. I thought he was sleeping and there was fluid leaking out of his nose and he was (gasps) dead. He was dead? (laughs) He was dead. (gasps) He was dead. So much had came out that, yeah. Oh no. So during this process, because, you know, the fluid in your brain is what keeps your brain buoyant and functioning, your brain dries out and you start you know, going through things. So I was having the worst migraines. I was having, like, I was seeing white spots. I was having aura migraines where I was seeing, like, geometric shapes. Yeah. I couldn't really stand for too long. The only way I'd feel okay is if I was laying down. And again, like, you know, I remember my husband coming in and being like, when are you going to help me clean the garage? And this Uh. was, like, after I was placed on bed rest. And I'm like, he just he was in full denial that it was happening. Oh my god. And he gosh. did not know how to support me. Did he just think you were making it up to get attention because I you guys know. were in a bad place? I think so. And sometimes I asked myself if I was. Like, am I going crazy? Like, do I need attention this bad? No. So I decide to go vegan because I really want to heal. And I'm just like, you know, what's the best way to heal your body? And I know it's through food. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really chill and don't do anything. Don't leave my house. And finally it just stops leaking. And so I can just assume that it's healed. So I got through that. And and then about a month later, him and I are just like, I'm just fed up. I have so much resentment build now that like I can't count on him for anything. And he has so much resentment build because I'm always talking crap to him yeah. because I'm angry. And so we're just like worlds apart. We get into a huge fight. I tell him to get us things and get out. So he does. He packs his truck up in one 
one moment and goes to live with his sister. And then about 30 days later, I get a call. Another call. Another call. I mean, it became... Like you just don't answer the phone. (laughs) Every time the phone rang, I had anxiety. I was so afraid of what was going to be on the other end, especially if it was like back-to-back calls or a certain person calling that never calls me or like a really late night call. Mm. It was just like all the time. What bad news is it going to be? So this time I'm out with my best friend. I'm like super upset about what's happening with me and Eddie. He's moving out. So we're out. We're having like a girl's night and I'm getting ready to go to my spray tan appointment that's up the street from her house. Uh huh. And we're, we're pulling out of her driveway and I get a phone call and it's like, Brandy, your dad is not responsive right now. You need to come down here. What? So I knew, like I instantly knew it wasn't good. So I'm just like, curled up in a ball in the back seat of my friend's car while she's like speeding down the freeway. Oh no. And I'm just like, my dad's gone. Like I know he's gone. And I pull into his neighborhood and I can just feel like this presence of I can't even explain it, this lightness. And I just tell her, I go, I know. I feel it. He's he's dead. So I pull up and my sister's out front. My whole family's in the driveway. My sister's out front and she just has her arms out with that same look on her face like all the other times and I'm just like no I can't like I can't deal with this right now I'm just like fall to my knees and I'm just probably curled in a ball like a baby I mean it's just such a blur I don't really remember but I just remember trying to run inside and they wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me see him and they told me that it looked like a heart attack so at that time I'm out front and I'm just like crying and my mom found him so my mom found her first husband or my stepdad hanging and now she found my dad dead hunched over in his in his room oh no and I'm just like god this poor woman like poor woman but I I mean have this like animosity towards my mom at the same time for like how toxic she can be to certain people and and I couldn't help but blame her for like how his alcoholism got so out of control Mm-hmm. She would drink with him and she didn't really do a good job of holding him accountable. And, you know, I would beg and plead with my dad, please, dad, like, I don't, you know, I don't understand. You're so strong. You you quit meth amphetamines, cold turkey. Yeah. How can you not stop drinking? And he's like, well, Brandy, meth isn't in Walmart. It's not on TV. It's not in commercials. It's not driving by on billboards like alcohol is. Like, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And I never thought about, yeah, I never thought about it that way. And he really struggled with it. And it was just too accessible, way too accessible. And it was affordable. He didn't need to have like a plug, you know, to get it. He just went to the liquor store. But at that time, it was just like, I I just blame my mom for a lot of things. And so I'm still struggling with that. But, you know, my my husband showed up and he hugged me and him, him and my dad were pretty close. And it was like this moment of like, well, maybe this happened to bring us back together or maybe this happened for some great reason you know Mm -hmm. I just had this feeling like I knew that he was going to be more powerful on the other side yeah so it was rough me and my husband decided to dissolve our corporation which had Inspire Metals under it my metal art company and so here I am I have no husband I have no father I have no income and I have no boobs <laughs> you no know, moves. which was a big deal to me yeah. because, you know, through the personal development stuff, it was all about balance. It was all about having all four of your wills 
fully balanced mm-hmm. and the four wheels being physical, how you felt about yourself physically, emotional, your relationships with yourself and others, financial. And I was like resentful to God because of everything happening. Yeah. My dad was 56 years old and he was dead. Oh my gosh, he's so young. Mm-hmm. A month later, um, I'm in my house and my sister-in-law comes in holding my daughter and holding divorce papers. So I was served with a divorce 30 days after my dad died. And I wow. remember flipping out and being like, how dare you come into my house holding my daughter and hand me this. That's sad. And not do anything to try to help us fix this. And I was, I mean, I blamed everyone. I hated the world. I was so upset. I was just in complete darkness. People moved on, like the people that that I was doing my accountability group with, you know, that kind of like so much happened to me. No one knew what to say. Yeah. It gets to the point where so much darkness is around you that people are like, I don't want to be around her because what if it happens to me? They almost think like it's so contagious that I don't want to be around someone because it might happen to me. I I get that because I've been through so many times in my life where a lot of my friends were like, I can't be around her, you know, and, and it's sad, but they're doing it for their own well-being. Mm -hmm. So you really can't fault them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you really needed the network at that moment. Mm -hmm. When I needed the support most, it was not there. I mean, I had a few people like, thank goodness I had my friends, Monica and, and her boyfriend, Carlos, like there was times they came and peeled me off my floor Mm. to, you know, get me out socializing, to attend a barbecue, get out of my house. But it became a point where I had dealt with so much loss and so many people coming in and out of my life that it was the only safe way was to isolate myself. Mm. And so when my lease was up in the house that me and my husband had together, I just up my, you know, my, my son's off to college now. I just up and left and I went to the beach because the beach is where I always found peace. Yeah. When things would happen when I was younger, I didn't go to the beach very often. But when I was there, I would take a notepad and a paper and a blanket and I would just sit there and I would journal and I would get a lot of healing from it. And so I knew that there was some kind of connection with the ocean and like healing. And so I decided to just up and move to the beach. My company is dissolved. I have, you know, my my son's in college. My daughter's only two now, so she's not in school. So I have a little bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. I need to do it now. I'm going to do it. I'll never do it if I don't do it now. So mind you, my credit went to crap because not only the divorce, but while I was having the health issues, I thought my husband was paying my credit card bills and he wasn't. Mm. I asked him to, but he wasn't. And so it was really hard to find a place. A single woman, bad credit with a kid. I really had no like proof of income. So I found this little studio that was was like a garage converted into a studio that this lady was renting out in South Orange County. And it was like a five minute drive to the beach. And so I just moved in there and me and my daughter were in a little studio for a year. And I kept telling myself, it's only temporary. It's just a stepping stone to get where you want to be. But that year was probably the darkest, scariest year that I ever had. 2018, the very end of it through part of 2019. I'm in this studio. There's like no sunlight because it's a garage. Yeah. So there's like one One tiny window. window. (laughs) And I didn't realize the importance of sunlight. Oh, it's so important. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like these crazy thoughts and I'm telling my husband, just take our daughter. Like, I can't do this right now. Like, I can't, I can't. 
I can't stop crying. Like all I do is cry. And I was just alone, isolated, scared, mad at the world. I was embarrassed. I mean, here I went from being, having the life everyone wants, married, family, business, to like broken family, no business. Living in a garage. Had to go back to bartending. Mm. And that was just such a shock to my ego. It was like so embarrassing. Yeah. So I just bartended on the weekends and I made enough money to pay the rent for my studio. It was pretty affordable. And I had my daughter Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I just, we just sat in there and sometimes I'd take her to the beach. and But most of the time I'd just like turn on the TV and let her sit there. And I would just sit there like in my head, mm-hmm. upset. And it wasn't until... She was like drawing something and she drew me, she drew me with a happy face. And she said, mom, this would be you if you were happy. Oh, and she's like two, yeah, maybe two and a half. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, she knows, like she's aware of what's happening. Yeah. And I can't do this to her. So I decide to go to the doctor and start taking antidepressants, which was fine. You know, I don't knock it. However, it didn't make me happy. It didn't make things go away. It just made him kind of like, meh, who cares? <laughs> meh, meh is not how we should be living yeah. our life. <laughs> I put on 20 pounds. Really? Yeah. I thought antidepressants were supposed to make you lose weight. No. I mean, mind you, I'm in a city where I don't know anyone. Yeah. I'm depressed. I'm taking these pills. And the only thing I can trust at this point is food. Yeah. And Ooh. you're in a dark garage. I'm in a dark garage. I'm like, there's nowhere. I come from a house that had a gym built in it. Mm. I don't really have the money to go get a gym membership. Even if I did, I probably wouldn't go. Yeah. Because I just didn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. I was so sad and like, just, it was just, it was my rock bottom. Mm. And I remember my friend telling me that she goes, your rock bottom friend. Like, so what? There's only one way up. Yeah. And so I started slowly pulling myself out of the dark hole. And I was really resentful to a lot of my friends and family that weren't there, that didn't check on me. Mm -hmm. But then I realized I needed that solitude and I needed that time alone to get to know me and to really ask myself, what do you want? What, like, what kind of life do you want to create? Because there's always this information and all these opinions coming to you on, you know, what you should do. Mm -hmm. Like a big part of leaving my husband was because the girls in the accountability group were like, yeah, girl, you better leave him. And Mm-hmm. You know, so I was influenced and I was pulled in all these directions. And so it was an opportunity for me to get to know me <laughs> yeah, all over again. I mean, my ego was like ripped from me. Mm-hmm. Here I am. I, I, I don't have an identity anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not a business owner. I mean, I'm a mom, but I've been a mom since I was 17. Like I wanted something more than that. I slowly just start picking myself back up and... I'm realizing I'm getting nowhere with these antidepressants. I took them for about six months. I took myself off of them slowly. Actually, it's funny how the universe works. I told myself I want to get off them. However, I'm very scared. And I learned to not really talk to my doctors too much about stuff because they're trained to tell you certain things. And Yeah. And just give you prescriptions. Exactly. Because I'm, you know, for that's a whole nother podcast. But um, <laughs> I'm at Mission Inn, just killing time while I'm like, I think I had just dropped off my daughter or something. I'm, I'm in my old town. And I know that the only nice place to go is the Mission Inn. <laughs> so I go there and it turns out the guy sitting next to me is a doctor. Mm. So we start talking and he's 
like we exchanged numbers and I, I'm pretty open with stuff. Like I'm pretty vulnerable, especially now. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, I want to just g- get straight to the point and know if like you're for me or not. And if yeah. I just keep it real with you, I'll know. Yeah. Based on your reaction. So I'm pretty honest about what I want to do and I'm desperate and I need to find someone I can trust to yeah. walk me through this process. Cause I tried it once and it was, it was scary. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very scary because it messes up your serotonin levels. So he starts sending me medical journals and different natural ways to start weaning off the medication, some of which are illegal and some are not. Yeah. But a big one of them was CBD. So I started taking CBD. I started taking ashwagandha, which is a flower from India, lion's mane, just a lot of these different supplements that I didn't even know existed or that had these components to increase your serotonin naturally. You know, I was still pretty good on my diet, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of juicing. And I knew that a lot of it had to do with my food. And when I was getting to know my town, I was going to a lot of restaurants and Mm -hmm. I was eating not that great. And I didn't (laughs) have a kitchen in my studio. I just had these like little hot plates. So besides the juicing and getting my vitamins there, I was not eating very good. So I started making changes there and I eventually fully got off of them. And it was odd because for the first time in a long time, I had felt like myself again and I didn't feel bad about it Mm. because Part of me felt like I needed to feel bad and I needed to feel guilty and horrible for the fact that my dad died and I couldn't save him, for the fact that my marriage died and I couldn't save it, my business, every, you know, I felt like I had to take some responsibility for that. So I beat myself up a lot. So you basically went through the grieving process. Exactly. And I didn't realize how much losing a business or divorce is like death. It is. It's, I, so it's like I dealt with three deaths four deaths because part of me died. Mm. And there was a part of me, I mean, it was pretty bad. I remember driving on my way to go do a float tank. Have you ever heard of that? Where you float in the Epsom salt. And it was raining really heavily. And all of this had happened. But I just remember driving and I was thinking, like legitimately thinking, no one will know because it's raining. They'll think it was the rain. Yeah. And I was thinking about like, how would I do it? Like, would I just like turn the wheel? And how can I do it without hurting someone else? And like these thoughts I had never, I mean, I think we've all had thoughts mm-hmm. like that, but it was very, very thought out. Yeah. And right in that moment, another car in front of me lost control and drove off the freeway. <gasps> and it was like divine intervention. And I just totally tapped into like being of service. And I called the police and I went around to try to find where the car was and I just tried to help him. And I thought for sure I was going to come up on like some crazy stuff, but I will drive up and the guy's outside peeing outside of his car. No, His way. car's totaled, <gasps> but he has not a scratch on him. He was peeing outside of his car. He was probably like so scared he was going to pee his pants. Probably. So was like, I mean, he was pee. a nice guy. He wasn't drunk or anything. He was on his way to work at Amazon and just lost control. Oh my gosh. But it was just one of those moments of like, it's not your time. Clearly not your time. It was seriously the universe saying, Brandy, snap out of it. Like, yes, you've been through all this pain. Yes, you've been through all this darkness, but I am not done with you. And I heard it and I heard it loud, but I still kept going back to that. Like, what would it be like? And, yeah. and you know, they say that if you're a product of suicide, you're more likely to think that way because it's it's a normal thing. It's like mm. accepted. Yeah. Like, well, my stepdad did it. Like, it's a thing. It's an option now. But because my stepdad did do that, I saw what it did to everyone. And it was like, 
I wasn't going to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I knew something had to change and I knew that I could look at it differently. So yeah, I wanted to kill myself. Oh gosh. And so I did. I had just killed certain parts of myself. Okay. So I knew something had to change. So I reincorporated my business. I have all 100 shares to myself now. That's awesome. I've already sold a couple thousand dollars in art since I relaunched not even a month ago. I am fully off of my antidepressants. Wow. I have a house like steps away from the water. Ooh, I'm jealous. (laughs) Gotta come visit. (laughs) I have a car that I've always dreamed of. And all in the span of how long? I mean, it was a decision I made like three months ago. Four no months way. ago. So yeah, four and months I just ago. did it. I, I had nothing to lose. So I just went for yeah, it. And, pretty and, much. <laughs> yeah. And things just started working out. So I, you know, have no more brain leaks. I'm healthy. I got my boobs redone. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I get along really good with my ex-husband. He's an amazing father to our daughter. We really have like no hard feelings. Well, he might now after he hears this. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. My daughter's super healthy, happy. I, you know, we go to the beach together. We have a lot of fun together. My son's in college. He's playing basketball. He's coaching a youth basketball program on the weekends. Well, the good thing is, is that all it took was one decision to change your life. Yeah. Oh, and then also my mom went to rehab. She entered herself into rehab, something that we've been trying to get her to do for years. And all this amazing stuff happened in the last four months. Most of the amazing stuff. Yeah. I'd say like the last year. But a, a bulk of it was definitely a master manifester. <laughs> yeah, it's all about making a decision and and setting the intention and and then just letting go. Yeah, and letting God or Source or whatever it is do its thing. You know. So, what would be your nugget of wisdom after all that that you've been through? Because your journey is quite amazing, and to know that you've come out of that and changed your perspective of like why things happen to you. I think it's really about turning painful things into beautiful things. So like even the struggles that seem just way too much to handle, like childhood traumas or being a teen mom or losing a best friend or going through a divorce or losing a parent, all the heartbreak. For me, it's about turning my pain into beauty. So I personally channel a lot of my energy into creating art. Mm -hmm. I have one piece in particular that has sold a lot more than any other piece. And that piece is the metal lotus flower. Ooh. Yeah. So I've sold over 700 pieces and they're all over the world. So there's some in like from Florida to Ireland to India. There's a few hundred spread throughout Canada and the UK. They're just all over. And I just noticed that people are really drawn to the lotus flower. There's like something about it. Mm -hmm. Because it grows in like the murkiest of water. Yeah. So there's like something spiritual about it. It grows from the bottom through mud and it really just has to go through a lot of shit to get to the top. And it's really ugly what it goes through. It, you know, it's, it's making its way through sticks and insects and fish and dirty conditions, just all horrible. the different blocks. <laughs> exactly. So even throughout all that, it just makes its way. It's just a super strong flower. People think it's fragile. It's not fragile at all. It's really connected securely to its roots. So all the things that goes through on the process to the top, like nothing can shake it. Mm-hmm. And so interestingly enough, when it breaks its way through, the dirty water it's going through is the, the water that washes it clean. 
because <gasps> that's beautiful. Yeah. So whatever the lotus flower is made of, the water just beads up and rolls off of it. Oh, so there's so much beauty in that. It's it, there's just I mean, there's so much about the lotus flower that's that is similar to the human experience. And I think the only difference is the lotus flower never questions what's happening to it. It never feels sorry for itself. Mm -hmm. It never blames anything. It just goes to the top. It just does it. it trusts yeah. the process. And so for me, it's really about realizing that the childhood trauma was like the mud that was preparing me for my journey. Stuff I went through as a teenager was the insects that yeah. made me brave. Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, the things I went through as an adult were the sticks I had to break through. And the loss and the pain was the fish that led me to my purpose. So it's kind of like you really can't appreciate the light without knowing the darkness. Yes. And it takes both. And it's just interesting because we live in a world where everything is like perfect. And look at my Instagram story and look how great my life is. And, you know, everyone wants that person's life or that person's life because of how it appears. But no one talks about what it took to get there. Yeah, nobody talks about the mud. No one talks about it, but that's the most important process. Yes. That's Which what is makes the reason us. why I did this podcast. Exactly. Is because I want to talk about the mud. I want people to understand that you're not the only one. You're not the only one. And a lot of people, especially women, sit in silence and suffer and they think it only happened to me or no one understands the pain that I've been through. When in reality, a lot of us have been through similar pain and similar darkness. But thank you so much for sharing your incredible fearless female journey. I'm literally shocked <laughs> at all the things that happened to you and to know just how, how amazing you are now. I had no clue that it just started four months ago. I'm really thankful and honored that you shared your story here. Thank you, ladies, for tuning in to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. You can find me on Instagram at Paola Rosser. You can find the podcast at Fearless Female Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Fearless Female Movement. Brandy, how can my listeners find you and Inspired Metals? You can find Inspired Metals at www.inspiremetals.com or you can find our Instagram at instagram.com backslash inspiremetals. Perfect. I'll also have the links to her store on the show notes. So make sure to check out her lotus flower and get one for your wall. All right, ladies, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share this episode with all your fearless female friends. And tune in next week for another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. Goodbye.